Greetings, and welcome to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship and the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie. Today's topic is Interfaith Programs at Chautauqua Institution. Please welcome via phone line Rev. George Wolfe and Rev. Ross McKenzie on location at Chautauqua. Greetings and welcome to Converging Streams. We are delighted to have with us today the former director of the Department of Religion at Chautauqua Institution. His name is Ross McKenzie. He is an Episcopal priest who serves at St. Luke's in Jamestown, New York. And he's also uh, the historian emeritus, presently, uh, of Chautauqua Institution. Uh, Ross, welcome. We're really Thank happy. you very much indeed. We're really happy you're here today. Uh, perhaps you, we could start just uh, by telling us uh, a little bit about Chautauqua Institution and its interest in uh, the interfaith movement. Uh, the institution began in 1874, and it was then a summer school for Sunday school teachers, for pastors, and for others interested in learning more about the Bible. That was in 1874. So the majority population in the first two generations uh, would be predominantly Protestants of different varieties. Fairly early on, however, a number of Roman Catholics came in, not only because they wanted to find out more about Holy Scripture, but also because by that time the institution was much more broadly interested in what was going on in American life and it became not only a center for religious studies, but a center of the arts and also of education. There was developed what came to be called the Chautauqua Literary and Scientific Circle, which is the oldest reading circle, still functions uh, in the country, and uh, Chautauqua was dedicated to the task of uh, educating those who had uh, ended formal education in, uh, in grade school or in high school. So we were, in the beginning, very much a Protestant institution. Uh, numbers of Roman Catholics uh, came in very early on. They were not warmly encouraged, but they were certainly not uh, held back. Uh, today, the Roman Catholics have become, numerically, the strongest Christian group in the institution. About Fifty years ago, the first Jewish property owner came to Chautauqua. The family bought a house and have remained there since. And today, the Jewish population of the Chautauqua Institution is very large, very strong, and um, very able. These are folk who come because they enjoy the programs in the arts, in education, in music, and so on. And in my own estimate is that something like... Um, between 20 and 30 percent of the summer population are Jews, uh, mostly Reformed Jews, some uh, Orthodox and uh, some conservative. Perhaps we should explain that uh, Chautauqua Institution is no longer just a school. There's actually people who live on the grounds. It's a gated community. Is that right? Yeah, it's a gated community. I was one of the original rebels who thought we ought to pull the fence down and uh, mm -hmm. open the gate. I discovered fairly quickly that the fence isn't up uh, to keep people out. It's actually there to keep children in. It's a very safe community. I understand that there are Jewish services every weekend, isn't that correct? Yes, not only are there Jewish services every weekend, 
Um, but there's a large variety of programs which would be of particular interest uh, to members of the uh, Jewish community. And uh, we have on the grounds at the present moment offering daily courses, uh, an uh, um, Orthodox rabbi and his wife, uh, and they offer courses uh, particularly in um, the traditions of Jewish mysticism, the, uh, the so-called Kabbalah. Um, there are many other programs which... Uh, Jews would be particularly interested in. At 2 o'clock every weekday afternoon, um, we have the lecture of the Department of Religion, and um, over the years it has become the both the ecumenical and also the interfaith aspect of the Chautauqua Institution, 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock daily lecture, and that's attended by something like, oh, 800 to 1,200 people. They overflow the available accommodations. Now, when you say interfaith aspect, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Yes. Um, about four or five years ago, um, it became fairly clear uh, that um, since we did have this wonderful mix of Christians and Jews, and since increasingly we had been in contact with numbers of um, Muslim speakers, it would make sense to us increasingly to involve uh, Muslims um, and have therefore representation from the so-called Abrahamic uh, families of faith, uh, Jews, Christians, and Muslims. Mm -hmm. And uh, for about four or five years, uh, we have had a particular emphasis on what was at first called the Abrahamic Initiative, um, and that subsequently became known as the Abrahamic Community. So each uh, nine-week season, every year during the nine-week season, we have one specific week focused on an Abrahamic theme. And these themes can be very varied, uh, themes that would be of interest to Christians, Jews, and Muslims alike. Uh, anything, for example, uh, from um, programs in the arts, uh, issues dealing with the environment, issues dealing with uh, politics, uh, human rights, uh, particularly, are we interested in um, dealing with questions of uh, medicine and ethics, uh, science and ethics, because uh, we are convinced that the wisdom of the world's wisdom traditions can very helpfully be brought to dealing with these very tangled ethical questions with which we have to wrestle today. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand uh, you've had some very prominent internationally published people there, such as Karen Armstrong. Isn't that correct? Uh, Karen Armstrong has been a regular visitor here. Um, one of the um, expressions of our commitment to uh, interfaith conversation um, came in the year 2000, and uh, under the direction of Marcus Borg, um, who is a uh, Hyundai, a distinguished professor at uh, at uh, Oregon State University in Corvallis, Oregon, um, we had the conference under the title God at 2000. And to that conference, we invited um, seven uh, speakers who came out of uh, the Abrahamic uh, communities of faith. Uh, Karen Armstrong herself was, was, was one of the speakers, as was uh, Marcus Borg, um, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, uh, Muslim um, Sayed Hussein Nasser, um, 
Protestant uh, Diana Eck uh, from Harvard, um, Joan Chittister, Benedictine sister. Um, there were seven, um, I'm just remembering from the top of my head, and it was a, a conference after which I kept saying to myself, now, if I hadn't known that each one of these speakers came out of a distinct religious tradition, and if I knew that they were speaking about God, would I have been able to identify them by what they said? And mm -hmm. uh, there's so much that we hold in common uh, with regard, for example, to the nature, meaning, and work of God. So I remember uh, hearing Karen Armstrong uh, speak in dialogue with someone uh, uh, representing Islam. I believe he might have been from England. It was a couple of years ago. And, uh, uh, she's uh, been in conversation very, with several people. Um, that was a very productive. That was two two o'clock in the afternoon again for the right. Department of Religion. That was an actual dialogue where they were really reflecting on uh, on uh, similar concepts. Yeah, she's been in conversation with several people. Rafiq Abdullah, for example, who is a translator of the poetry of Rumi, mm -hmm. uh, was in conversation with her on uh, one occasion, and uh, that was a very profitable conversation. Um, we encourage this kind of conversation over and over again. We will have not only speakers uh, who speak um, alone and present a lecture series, but typically and more often, um, or typically and increasingly, I should say, um, we invite people to be in conversation with, with each other. Um, Jewish scholar and Christian scholar, for example, debating uh, questions of ethics. Um, um, Muslim and uh, Christian scholar uh, discussing uh, questions of ethics. Uh, that's the um, issues that we present. And I do have to say that there is a an alert interest in these questions. Uh, we bring in very uh, dynamic speakers, uh, challenging speakers, uh, controversial speakers. Uh, John Shelby Spong, for example, has been with us on many occasions. Uh, speakers who will address the question of mysticism, uh, both from the Jewish, Christian, and uh, Muslim uh, perspective. Uh, Lawrence Kushner, retired rabbi now from California, has been with us. It's a wonderful mix uh, at Chautauqua in the summer. Now, I've, uh, I know Diana Eck, uh, who is there, uh, has written uh, a book on uh, relationships between Hinduism and Christianity and her experience with that. Yes. Uh, what other, how about Hinduism and Buddhism? You, I know you've talked about Abrahamic faith. How, how have Hinduism and Buddhism been woven into the interfaith uh, dialogue? Um, <laughs> since I was one of those um, who was involved from the beginning in developing the Abrahamic initiative, later Abrahamic community, I thought that that was a huge jump in this small world that we occupy, and particularly with present United States relationships to um, Muslim countries and to the Islamic world. It's so important, um, not only that we deal with political and religious questions involving Muslims, but political and religious questions that involve other religious traditions of the world, specifically the ones you've mentioned, mm -hmm. Hinduism, uh, Buddhism, Taoism. Uh, we have, um, in the past, of course, been very interested in Native American religion and have involved uh, speakers in, these, in that area uh, at Chautauqua. The answer is yes, we do have to do that. One of the things that we are beginning to develop at Chautauqua is, under the leadership of Subag, um, 
Subag um, Singh Khalsa, Subag Khalsa, uh, and I have developed or are beginning to develop what we call the Center for Spiritual Study and Practice. Now, Subag is a Sikh, isn't that uh, right? He himself is a Sikh, mm-hmm. um, and we have had a, a, a major conference uh, last fall in October. We'll, have, we'll again have a conference this coming fall uh, uh, to which we invite um, Sikh, uh, Buddhist, uh, Christian, and Jewish leaders who will uh, deal with um, the way, uh, the mystic way, the way of the mystic heart, uh, these, uh, what, what in Roman Catholicism and, uh, and uh, other churches is known as centering prayer and so on. So we're involving other religious traditions in these areas also. Well, uh, I want to thank you very much for all this uh, information. It, you make Chautauqua sound extremely rich and exciting. It is. And I know by experience it is because I've been there and taught there also. And I uh, we really thank you for taking the time to... It's been to my pleasure. Today. Uh, we've been speaking with uh, Ross McKenzie, Reverend Ross McKenzie, Episcopal priest and former director of the Department of Religion at Chautauqua Institution, now historian emeritus. This is Reverend George Wolf for Converging Streams. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for listening to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship with content and financial support from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie and technical support from radio stations WCRD and Work FM. Most importantly, we thank you, our listeners and followers, for your support. To connect with Converging Streams, including listening to our entire catalog of past programs, getting our latest new content, and making your own contribution to this program, visit our website, convergingstreams.org. Converging Streams is produced by Tony Piazza, George Wolf, and Thomas Perchlick. Thank you for listening, and have a pleasant week.